Hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you get more to life so you can start living your dreams through the power of real estate investing. Believe it or not, ladies and gents, we're on episode 15. Time flies. We are our second episode of 2022 and super pumped about today. Super, super individual we're going to be interviewing today. And it has to do all to do with mindset and how mindset can either control you. Well, it will control you, obviously, or win or lose. But it's all about your mindset. So a little bit of what we've been up to. Crazy market, everybody knows right now, as far as real estate is concerned. No inventory, no inventory out there. We're experiencing that at a very high level here in Hamilton. We have a lot of buyers ready to go, a lot of JVs ready to go, and no properties for them. So we're really, really working our database and looking for off-market stuff right now. Obviously, we're on the market every day looking for stuff on the market, but we're doing our best to really cultivate a lot of new leads off market stuff that we can capitalize because let's face it, everybody knows, watch the media, they'll tell you inventories at an all time low. And they're also predicting from what I'm hearing, prices continue to go up this year. But again, no one has a crystal ball. Above and beyond that, we managed to actually secure two four unit properties this month alone in this very slow market with respect to inventory. So purchase prices right now are hovering here around high sixes, low sevens, depending on how much work the property needs. But your typical duplex, triplex, let's call it on an average 700,000. And we managed to get a couple of those just this month with joint venture partnerships. We're looking at some big acquisitions off market that we're trying to lock up. 13, 15, 18 unit buildings that we're trying to lock up as we speak. Yeah, things are great. We're still hustling and we're still moving uh, with respect to our real estate joint venture partnership model. That being said, if you're interested at all in joint venture partnerships, real estate investing, getting involved in multifamilies, ton of knowledge, reach out to us. And uh, yeah, at the end of the show, we're going to be obviously video and audio, Spotify, YouTube, all the platforms. Please subscribe, smash the like button on uh, YouTube because it definitely helps the algorithms as well. Yeah, and that's it. So why don't we get right into it? And I really am super, super pumped here. Here's our guest. I'd like to welcome Mark Smith, Canada's number one mindset investor. Mark is also a motivational speaker and a host of 7-2 Mindset Investor. And he also hosts the Hero's Journey podcast. Mark has closed $100 million in high ticket sales with over 15,000 podcasts downloaded and over 90,000 views on YouTube. So guys, this guy's out there, obviously with those kind of stats. Mark is passionate about helping others build their mindset and bring value to those who want to perform at high levels. Mark is also, like the rest of us, a real estate investor focusing on large multifamily properties, as well as luxury flips, and as well as new builds and developments. So he does it all. He does it all. 
So enough of all that. Mark, the one and the only Mark, welcome to the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, you know, you can't tell because I'm brown, but I'm actually flattered. I'm flushing here. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that intro is quite, uh, I mean, your stats and your credentials speak for themselves. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, our team picked you to gracious with your knowledge and your, uh, I guess, your expertise in the mindset world, as well as we'll probably get into some of your uh, real estate investing knowledge and journey as well. So getting to know him a little bit about Mark. Mark, we know about your career changes from working, I guess, once upon a time, Mark, you started, you were working hospital and critical care, obviously, to now a motivational speaker. Tell us about that journey. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's quite quite the journey, you know, when you connect the dots backwards. So I had actually, when I, you know, I, my parents came from East Africa with the dream, two suitcase story of typical immigrants that moved to this country and with a dream to have a better life for their children. And I said, the plan for me was to go to university, which I did. And, you know, my grades were stellar. The plan was for me to go into medicine. Unfortunately, I got burnt out which was probably a good thing. So I, I basically made a little small change in direction, went and became a respiratory therapist. So a respiratory therapist is basically those that handle life support in the ICU. So respiratory therapists became very famous during COVID because they're oh, the ones that are managing the life support systems, you know? And so I was a respiratory therapist for a short period of time. I actually joke that my student loan lasted about four times longer than my career. I was in the field for about three months and realized it wasn't, what I signed up for. Like it was a great idea at the time and that kind of stuff. And, and I think a lot of it had to do with the mindset of the people I was around. And now yourself, you know, being uh, an ex cop, thank you for your service, by the way. And you can only control your own mindset, but the other mindset around you can have a, either a positive or a negative effect on you. And unfortunately that mindset really messed with me. And then to add fuel to the fire is that I was 20 years old, 20, 21 years old, and I had already killed seven people. And what I mean by that, it killed seven people, was it was my responsibility to not only save people in the hospital, working with the team, it wasn't just me, but it was also my responsibility to go and turn off life support. Now, mind you, it wasn't my decision to turn off life support, that comes from the family, but you're the last person that is turning off the last breath of that human being. And I worked in NICU, which is the, you know, the newborn babies, so the, the NICU being critically ill. I worked in pediatric intensive care. And then I worked in adult intensive care and I've had parents threaten me. I've had fathers basically chase me at my car, you know, and, and threatening me. I've had fathers spit in my face. I've actually had a mother slap my chest and saying, how dare you kill my child? And I didn't unpack that. And that was a problem. The people I was around and you see this, and that's why I have a real soft spot for law enforcement, for pre-hospital setting in a hospital setting is there really isn't a lot of places to go and, and unpack what's actually happening, you actually take it home with us. And there's a lot of issues that come surrounded with that. So I was, I was 20, 21 years old. And I had to live with that. And you know, my, my buddies and I would hit the bar, they'd go for a bar for a reason. <laughs> my reason to go to the bar would be in a corner and just drink and drink and drink. And I just realized that this is one of those I signed up for because I, I felt like I wasn't helping people. And an opportunity presented itself where I thought I could make a, a big difference. And I, I feel like I did, which is I got into high ticket sales, which is I, be, I started selling ICU ventilators. So ICU ventilators, anesthesia machines, incubators, like really sophisticated medical devices. And I did that for oh, 23 years. I did that. And I really enjoyed it and so forth. You know, the relationships I wouldn't trade for the world. 
But unfortunately, there was a series of events that actually happened. And then there was COVID, where I saw what COVID did to business, so to speak. I saw some stuff that just I didn't wasn't too happy with. I saw some turns the way the, the world was going in healthcare. And it was time for me to move on. The stress was tough. It was just a different, a different thing. And again, what I tell everybody, Adrian, is that I take full ownership of all of this because I didn't fix my mindset throughout the whole process. In the past, it was me blaming the education I got. It was me blaming the employer I worked for. In actual fact, I was a common denominator. And in fact, through that whole process, I actually had a, a marital breakdown, which was, as I say, going through a marital breakdown is as bad as going through a death. It was just a really horrific and still have PTSD from going through that whole experience and, and being alienated from children and that kind of stuff. It was just really tough. But so going through this journey of being a respiratory therapist to high ticket sales and then eventually into real estate investing full time, the pivot actually was the mindset shift. And that's where I went from this victimhood to victorhood. Say that again, victimhood to victorhood. To victorhood. And that's where the whole game change happened. It, it took me looking in the mirror saying, I'm the issue here. And real estate for me was simply a vehicle. And it still is simply a vehicle for me to achieve my next step, my next stage. I don't know what that's going to be, but it's simply a vehicle. Just like high ticket sales was a vehicle at that time. Prior to that was working in a hospital. But it was a mindset shift. And I know we're going to do a deep dive on that mindset shift that really just changed the game for me completely. And that's where I said to myself, I don't invest in real estate. I'm a mindset investor. Me investing in my mindset is the best ROI you can ever have because it's the only ROI you have control over. Me and you can go buy a, a beautiful property tomorrow together and do a JV together. And all of a sudden we get the keys for it and it's full of asbestos, knob and tube. It has all these other things. And now you have no control on that return on investment because the market is the market. I control the market up here. Right. So that was the whole shift. So going through that, I mean, I know I threw a lot at you, but there was a lot that actually transpired. And again, it takes extreme ownership to realize, hey, what is the problem? It's not your environment. It's you. Bingo. It's not the environment. It's you. Couldn't agree more. You're now living through the significance of the quote unquote 7-2, which you make reference to many times on your social media platforms, I've noticed. Tell us more about the origin of 7-2 and what does that mean to you in detail? Sure. Yeah, the 7-2, the 7-2. So where the 7-2 actually stemmed from, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek here, is when I used to live in Chicago, it was a great experience, like just living outside of Chicago, the neighborhood we lived in, and they would always have poker night with the guys. At least once a month, once a month the guys would get together and play poker. And when the guys play poker, which are those that have not played poker, don't know how to play poker, I could tell you right now, when you draw a 7-2 hand, it's the worst possible hand in poker, okay? And the whole idea about the 7-2 philosophy was is, you know, as they say, is like you can't control the hand that you're dealt, but you can control how you play that hand. So if you're playing a game of poker, most people want to fold that 7-2 hand. And if you'd win on a 7-2 hand amongst group because it was the ultimate bluff, everybody actually had to do a shot, okay? So that's where the whole thing came from. So a little tug-in-cheek. But then what happened with the whole 7-2 for me and why it's so meaningful to me Again, is because you, we cannot control the hand that we're dealt, but we control how we play that hand. And through my life, there's, and anybody's life, we're going to be dealt a 7-2. And I'm just going to throw up here a 7-2 right here. So a 7 card and a 2 card. And things are going to happen in life. Shit's going to happen. We're going to hit failure. There could be a, a marital breakdown. There could be getting into a car accident. Someone flips the bird at you because, you know, you cut them off. Whatever it is. 
The fact is people are going to be seven two. Question is, what are you going to do with that hand? Are you going to fold your hand or are you going to play that hand? And there's been a series of events in my life that I could have folded my hand. And there's other ser- series of events that I actually folded my hand. And it actually harmed me instead of helped me. And I reached a stage in my life where my back was against the wall. My net worth had actually turned completely upside down. And I said, this is not working for me. I've got to play this bad hand. And that's exactly what I did. And a 7-2 means that for me is playing that bad hand. Now, I don't tell people to be reckless. And it's about playing the odds of life, playing the odds on anything. Think you got There's a, a great book by, uh, by Annie Frank. It's called uh, Thinking in Bets. You got to play the odds. It's about equipping yourself. So a good analogy I give is look at Michael Phelps, for example. Michael Phelps is the most celebrated Olympian there is. Michael Phelps, if I put Michael Phelps in a swimming pool, he could still drown. But he's equipped not to, right? Because he's increased his odds of swimming to the other side. Whereas you put someone like myself in an Olympic swimming pool, my likelihood of drowning is going to be much higher because I'm not equipped myself for that. Right. So why the 7-2 has significance is I believe all of us have to equip ourselves. And it comes back to our mindset. It comes back to our mindset. It comes back to our spirit. It comes back to our heart or why, our body. And that's why I emphasize so much on that because the 7-2 mindset philosophy is just that, is that are you willing to play that bad hand or are you going to fold your cards? And you know what? Let's be honest, Adrian, 95% of people will fold their hand. They fail once, they'll fold their hand, fail twice. Thomas Edison, you know, there's a saying 10,000 times before he got the light bulb to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Elon Musk could have folded his hand and said, my SpaceX keep on blowing up. I'm done. And he took everything he had and he bet on himself. And the reason he bet on himself is because he could trust himself to get the job done. I couldn't agree more. It's probably more than 95% of people that will fold that hand and not play it and work it out and have that mindset to move forward and, and take that chance. Yes. Let's talk about mindset and failure. Sure. How do you associate mindset and failure? And obviously you've been up, you've been through the trenches up and down financially, probably really stable. And then at the bottom and working your way back up again. And obviously that mindset kicked in and that failure. It doesn't sound like you had the seven, two mindset from 30 years ago. No, hell no. Talk about that seven, two mindset with the failure potential looming right in your face yeah a lot of times failure is the result of us being comfortable we're, we're failing if we're not trying that's the ultimate failure right now i mean it's so cliche wayne gretzky's coat i mean i think what's his name from the office butchered it but you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take you don't take a shot that's guaranteed failure that's guaranteed quitting that's the only guarantee in life is not trying and for me that pivotal moment for me shifting and saying i'm going to play that seven two was saying what do I have to lose at this point in my life? There's been a series of losses till now. And it was the mindset shift that said, hell no, I've lost the game, but I'm not losing the championship. Absolutely. And that's what it comes down to. A lot of people will just take their ball home and say, I'm done. When you want it that bad, this is what separates the best from the rest, right? I mean, how bad do you want it? Well, I want it bad. That's bullshit. It's not about your willpower. It's about your staying power. Yeah, it's staying power. And so for me, recognizing that, but the thing is, like you said, it wasn't like this ideology for the last 30 years. What I did was I realized at one point, like I said, my net worth had actually just completely imploded on me. My divorce bills were, you know, $250,000. 
there was some false allegations. I'm sure you've known about this as well in being a ex-police officer in that the, the zero discretion rule. There's always one person that gets taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that person has to then defend themselves. And unfortunately got hit with two zero discretions and I'm blessed in that both times everything was dropped, but I still had a zero amount of money to actually get out of the hole I was in. And what I did at that point is I needed to get a mentor. I needed something. And that was the best investment I ever made was I said, I'm going to invest in myself. See, prior to this, Adrian, I was always a people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser. All my life, that's all I wanted to do is please people. It was like a dog barking in, in, at the two people and getting that attention. Mm-hmm. I did that all my life. And I had to be the most popular person. I had to have all the parties. I had to go, oh, Mark, 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 Mark. And I loved it. But in actual fact, I was actually empty on the inside. All it did was my dopamine rush. That was my addiction, is people around me and pleasing others. That was an addiction for me. And I realized that I was extremely selfish, right? What happened was, is I, was, I thought I was being unselfish or selfless, but in actual fact, I was being selfish because I was actually trying to feed my ego. I made a switch, which is now I am more selfish to become selfless right. because I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser. I don't care what people think about me. The only person that should care should be myself because I'm finally comfortable walking in my own skin. And the mindset piece came from working with mentors that said, hey, this is what we see. That's the beauty about hiring a mentor or getting a mentor or getting a coach and so forth. They can see so many things you can't see yet. And the whole aspect of me investing in my mindset, I have mentors all over the world. I made a pledge that I'm going to invest $1 million into my mindset. So before this call, I actually had a call with one of my mentors, Tim Story who also works with Kanye West, Robert Downey Jr., Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, and so forth. And prior to that, I actually had another session with someone before that. And why I'm doing this is to equip me in this Olympic swimming pool so I don't drown. Because when you're growing, you're going to hit other problems you've never seen before. Why not pay someone that can help navigate that's actually walk through that? Right. Again, back to the back to your saint, you're back to your uh your quote or you're saying you're investing in yourself. Absolutely. That changed your life. It changed my life. And the thing is, I tell people this is you're the number one asset. If you don't invest in yourself, you're an ass. You're not an asset. And as you know, in our real estate investing world is that when we're attracting opportunity, we're attracting joint ventures, raising capital and so forth, people aren't investing in that property. They're investing in you. They're putting their trust your life savings into you because you're the asset. So I tell people is that if you're not willing to invest in yourself, how do you expect someone else to invest in you? Yeah, 100%. Right? And what I tell people is that the whole mindset piece, going back to it, because it sounds so cliche the way I talk about it, is the mindset is so critical because if we almost take the mindset out of this and, and we will get, you know, for those that are saying, let's get to real estate, let's get to real estate. I'm telling people, if you don't get this figured out, you are doomed for failure. There will be issues that are going to come up you cannot equip yourself for. But the mindset is a piece that Ecker that talked about this in Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. There's this pathway that goes from our programming, which can be environmental factors, our upbringing, maybe it was an emotional event that actually happened that affects our thoughts and affects our feelings, affects our actions, but ultimately affect our results. We can change all that by reprogramming ourselves. And one of my favorite Persian sayings, it says, if a plant isn't growing in its environment, you don't change the plant. You change the environment the plant is in. So for 30 odd years, I'm the plant and I'm I'm shriveled up because of the environment. And I had to move to a different environment. 
instead of being in a room of takers, I had to be in a room of reachers. And that's the game changer, right? 100%. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing mindset thinking and, and, and advice there, Mark. I want to get into, obviously, you know, our bread and butter too, above and beyond mindset or just as important. I want to talk about your real estate investing space. Obviously, you're seen online as a high ticket sales expert and a great real estate investor. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about how active you are in the real estate investing space right now. Extremely active. I do it full time. I have no choice. Otherwise, the bills don't get paid. Right. Right. Extremely active. And like I said before, real estate investing for me is simply a vehicle. It's a vehicle for now. I don't have, I don't know what the future holds. Right. And what happened was, is because I made a transition from a full-time employee to being doing this full-time, I quickly realized, very quickly realized that I can't do this with just buying holds. If my cash flow is $100 a month per door, for example. Right. Right. So I had to change my whole thinking. And this is, you know, real estate investing for me is simply a math equation. What's the number you want to get? And you work your way backwards from there. And what's the quickest way to get there? So when I got into real estate investing from YouTube or, or watching HGTV was I thought real estate investing was really two avenues. You can either flip or you can be a landlord. That's all I knew until I got mentorship and so forth. And then once I got into it full time, before I got into it full time, I had bought some buying holds and so forth. And I was, I was saying before we hit record, things were working fine. Things were going great. But it was like, hey, things are working for me. It's like someone hits that magic age of puberty and then they want to go to a club and, and start picking up all the ladies, for example, or what have you. And that's exactly what happened to me is I hit that stage and then I said, okay, the banks are saying, no, I need to now look for JV partners. And what actually happened was, is I made some, I'll take ownership of it. Probably I wouldn't be people I would JV with again, right? Because it was simply transactional. It wasn't transformational. It wasn't asking the deeper questions. It wasn't getting deep into one's relationships about where they want to go and where I want to go. And what happens if something goes bad? Having multiple exit strategies and so forth. So I got brought down to earth and I actually walked away from deals. I had deals and I said, it's not worth it. In fact, there was a three of those. If I would have actually just kept my name on there, I probably would be sitting on another million dollars. But I walked away from it because it wasn't worth it. It was like being in a bad relationship. It's not worth it. And so through that journey of walking away from that and so forth, what I did was I realized, again, the income wasn't to come in. So I had to transfer to active income. And active income now means instead of the buy and hold and the burrs and so forth, I had to go to flips because that was going to be a good infusion of cash to get us started. So we did a few flips. And then my business partner, myself, now my business partner, now myself, it, we went through the dating phase and we, and we survived and we decided to get married and we started a corp together. And I say that figuratively, everybody, we didn't get married, but it's figuratively. We, we created a corp together. And by doing that in our business, we actually have a passive side to our business. We have an active side to our business. Our active side of our business is predominantly our flips. It's our new builds. We've bought some land that we're doing some new builds on and then also wholesaling. So we have a wholesaling arm too. What we're unique for is we used to actually, since it used to, we still do, is wholesale multifamily. So we were known as the apartment guys because we get because I'm always buying apartment buildings. There you go. There you go. Number one client. There you go. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We did a lot of multifamily wholesales. And then in doing that, what we actually did is because that's active, but we wanted to have some trophies that we could put behind us. And those trophies are actually having assets. And we want to have those assets. There's two reasons for having assets. Number one is the emotional aspect, your psychological, your psychological aspect saying, hey, look at what I have to yourself. But most importantly, it comes down to the banks don't care about the flips. They don't care about that income. They want to see some assets they can tether to. 
So having said that, we then did a partnership on a 29 unit building out in Alberta. And we have some more buildings coming that we have under contract as well that we're working with our partners on because we're going aggressive on that angle too. So we have two arms that are going in sync. So my business partner, Alex, he handles the active side and then I handle the passive side. You're responsible to run the numbers and whatnot and, and the apartment buildings essentially that you you're got it. in. That's your baby. That's it. Absolutely. And you know what? Like Bill Allen from uh, Seven Figure Flip out in, in the States always says, when you're real estate investing, when, as a real estate investor, you're raising capital is a full-time job. Always raising capital. Always raising capital. So both my business partner and myself, that's one of the roles we both have to have. But because we're, we're investing in ourselves and we're the asset, people see that, people recognize that, and we're blessed to have many investors. Awesome. Right? And I think I attribute a lot of our success with either raising capital are the deals that we've had, our partnerships is a result of our investment into the relationships as well. It's not transactional. It's all transformational. Amazing. So you go from a person working in critical care, having the unfortunate last piece of the puzzle and taking, pulling the cord on that life support to being a multi-million dollar real estate full-time investor. And Give or take, how long was that transition where you stepped out of that comfort zone or what you didn't like as far as, you know, not what you thought it would be to where, and then going through obviously a, a bad divorce and whatnot and being probably rock bottom. Yeah. How long was that transition? The transition for me saying I'm done, I'm done with my full-time work and that kind of stuff. Not long, actually. Four years. Not long at all. So like 2017, 2018? 2017, 27, 2018. And what I found as well too, is that it's amazing the magic that happens when your back's against the wall Mm. and you fight and you want it so bad. You know, for human beings, we have so much untapped potential, so much untapped potential that we're scared to unleash. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell people this when I've I've spoken on so many stages and I tell people this is that if I ask people where the greatest energy source is in their area or their community or their city, I usually get the same answers. Oh, it's people's mindsets. It's this, it's that. I said, no, it's a graveyard. How much potential, how much energy actually got buried because people didn't release their own potential. The cure for AIDS, cures for cancer, putting people living on Pluto, for example, it's all there, but people were too scared to unleash their own potential. So I take pride on pushing people's buttons to unleash their potential. Do you think people don't unleash their potential because they're afraid to fail? 100%. 100%. Nothing is more paralyzing to the mind than fear. Fear. Look at the history. I mean, I won't talk about current circumstances right now because we're going to get so many different opinions, but look at the Second World War. I mean, propaganda instilled fear and it controlled a nation. Fear paralyzes the mind. Fear prevents thinking. I felt this as well. And I I speak for myself, like a lot of what I'm sharing is simply my, my own experience. When I hit rock bottom, when I hit rock bottom, I was the most scared human being there was. And if you look at the law of attraction and you look at different energy sources and vibration levels, people talk about vibration levels. Joy is the top vibration level. The lowest vibration level is fear. And what are you going to attract more shit? So when I was at my lowest point, Adrian, it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was like, how much deeper can this get? How much lower can, like, how much more? I got hit with COVID then. Like it went down and down, went this vicious circle until one of my mentors said, 
and he called me out. He goes, you're the freaking problem. You're the problem here. Look at what you're attracting. We got to get out of this. You got to get out of this. It doesn't matter how much real estate you have. It doesn't matter any of these different things. This is the issue and worked with me through it and said, this is how you work through it. I feel most people would have tapped out when I say tapped out, either having an addiction issue. And let's talk about addictions right now. Addictions, like it's rampant. It's rampant amongst men. Addictions in general, any gender is horrible, but we're seeing it around men now. So much sore. Uh, you're seeing drug abuse, alcohol abuse, porn addiction. And it's a dopamine fix that leads to more shame. And more shame requires more addictive behaviors, which then really out to more shame. It's this vicious circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing this complete emasculation of men with society and what's happening. That's one of the things I'm, I'm openly discussing with people because I want to hit my rock bottom. That's what happened to me. I got castrated. I got castrated and I had to come back. But again, you know, we talk about the programming. We talk about the environmental factors before one can say, hey, I'm going to work on my willpower. That's bullshit. It comes from self-awareness to self-acceptance to self-regulation. Someone has to be first aware, then be self-acceptant and then self-regulation and put in that work. The work never ends. It's not becoming a master. It's about mastery. Bingo. Very, very powerful order. So tell me this. How can we help someone? How can you help someone that is stuck in that fear mindset and is afraid to fail? They're afraid to fail. So they sit on the fence. And let's take it back to real estate investing for everybody out there who may be one of those analysis paralysis kind of people, you know, being a master at this. What is your advice to get someone over that edge and be okay to fail mindset and pull the trigger? Yeah. One is it's okay. It's okay to feel like that. You know, if you're going to fail, you're failing already. So that's already guaranteed. And where is that taking you? So let's fail forward. Let's fail forward here. So if someone's stuck in in analysis paralysis or or not willing to pull the trigger, hey, you know what? Maybe this is a point where you have to get an expert or get a partner to work with to get you over that hump. Okay. Yeah. Get someone that's an expert. That's how I got in the game. I got experts around me. My experts weren't getting a JV partner at the time. My experts were getting mentors because what I wanted to do was two things is one is I wanted to emulate what that mentor was doing already. And number two is I wanted to compress time because if anybody should be fearful of something, it should be time. Don't be fearful of money. Don't be fearful of poverty. There's an abundance of money out there. Don't be fearful about starving. There's an abundance of food. And if you live in, in Canada and North America, guess what? The government will take good care of you. You know, all you have to do is immigrate from another foreign country to be here with kids. You're going to, you're going to get $2,000 a kid. Like you're going to be fine. So, but what the thing that one has to be scared about is the loss of time. So if someone asks you, how much do you value yourself? And someone says, I value myself a lot. Okay. Let me look at your calendar. Cause if there's nothing in your calendar, that's a bunch of BS. Cause you don't value yourself. Cause you're not valuing your time. So partner with someone. Okay. Partner with someone. And, and this is something that it's actually very interesting. When I did high ticket sales and I'm actually writing a book and or some stuff, I, I created a system actually. It was called uh, the ETS system. And basically what it is, is the ETS is because it's all sales. When I talk about sales, people get their back up and they think, oh, what's the pitch? What's the pitch? He's trying to sell me on something. No, sales is the art of communication. If I want to eat something for dinner, I got to go down and talk to my wife and sell her on what I want to eat and tell her why. And then she's going to come back and sell me on what she thinks is going to be different. So everybody's always selling. And the best salespeople I see are the ones that tell themselves they're not a salesperson because they've already sold themselves. Right. True sales is, is emotion emotional selling. So it's this ETS system I created, which is basically looking at empathy first. Let's talk to that person that's fearful. Let's find out their pain. Why are you scared? 
it goes deeper. Maybe they never made a decision like this before. Maybe they only got, they're worried about their life savings. There's some scarcity mindset there that we've all had that we have to figure out what that is. Then we have to build trust. We have to build that trust. And the only way you can build trust is by listening to someone and being empathetic. And from that trust side, we have to serve others. It's not about serving ourselves. It's not like, hey, I got analysis paralysis. I'm going to team up with Adrian. And all of a sudden, Adrian gets the property. And he's saying, hey, look how many properties I have. Adrian's going to serve me and making sure that he's helping me reach my financial freedom and my goals and so forth. And the more you serve others brings you more to a level of empathy because now you're listening and it further confirms that. And it actually, the, the cycle actually doesn't go just one way. The cycle goes the other way too, because the more empathetic you are, the more service you're going to provide that person to build more trust. So it's going to go the opposite direction too. So you have these circles that are going in opposite directions, but it's all the same. And it's tapping into the emotional, the, the tension, which is the push pull. So I'm talking to anybody about, you know, selling an idea, selling a real estate. The whole fundamental idea is it's not what's important for me. It's not what's important for you. It's important for the other person. What's in it for them. Right. And awesome. it comes back to that. Go back to the pain. Awesome. Lots of great advice there. Lots of great deep, deep, deep advice. I like that. Mark, you've emphasized that your vulnerability is your superpower. And that by embracing this, people can get back control of their lives. How can our audience start embracing their vulnerabilities and push them past their barriers? Yeah, you know, I'm a firm believer of that. Like I said, you know, and like you echoed, our vulnerability is our superpower. A lot of people try to hide their vulnerabilities. You see that a lot on, on social media is a great example of that. People don't want to show their insecurities. I am perfect because I accept my imperfections. I have imperfections that I accept and that's what makes me perfect. So that's why I tell people is your vulnerabilities, you know, pick a scar. I got scars from wine corks and everything all over my face, but everybody has a scar and every scar has a story. Why not share that story? Because when you share your story, you story, you become relatable. When you become relatable, you become likable and trustworthy. Our vulnerability, when you tap into your vulnerability, it's unleashing potential because again, it goes from self-awareness to self-acceptance into self-regulation. My vulnerability was my broken mindset. I was self-aware of it. Acceptance was my mindset is shit. And now I got to do something about it. So I have my daily practices. I made a heavy investment already on my mindset and I'll continue to invest in my mindset because I have accepted my vulnerability and it is my superpower. Wow. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. We're coming towards the end. We're almost at, we're almost at 40 minutes here. Wow. Believe it or not, like ton of, ton of stuff coming out, ton of knowledge, ton of mindset, great stuff people can put in their toolbox for sure. And that's really what I wanted to gain from having you on our show today. But we're at the very last couple of questions and they all have to do, I like to call it uh, the lightning round. First one, what is your why? Why do you do what you do, Mark? Okay, uh, I'll try to make this in a short answer because a why actually took me many months and many tears to figure out. And I realized my why is to serve others. My why is to push on people to bring out their potential and that is by serving them. That's what I do. Nothing makes me feel better than, than serving others. And the reason is, is because through my upbringing, you know, I saw my parents work the way they did, the multiple jobs and that kind of stuff. There was a lot of alone time and I had to work on my, figure out myself and that kind of stuff. 
And if I would just had one person just to push on my potential, just maybe my trajectory could have been a little bit different. And I wouldn't have had the broken mindset and that kind of stuff. So I just, my why is I have to serve others. Amazing. Amazing. You're very successful now. And we say that relative to how the world views success. But do you think there is still more to life for Mark? And when you picture more to life, what do you see for Mark? Yeah, I tell people this. I choose, I choose fulfillment over happiness. I choose joy over just being happy. Success for me is at the end of the day, it's like a toothpaste, you know, your toothpaste roll, whatever, and you squeeze and squeeze and there's nothing left. That's what I want. That's fulfillment for me. I just want that for me. So success for me is about living fulfillment. It's about helping others and just living your life to the greatest potential. That's all I want. And if people ask me how, you know, where I'm in life, I go, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. And for me, it's being an ambassador. It's being a role model. I've been blessed that I've had so many people reach out to me. Even recently, people reach out to me, send me a message. It's like, actually, last week I was speaking to someone and they said to me, you are so real and raw. Thank you. Because of this episode that you did or something you said, Mm -hmm. I quit smoking. Like I never talked about quitting smoking, but you Mm -hmm. just said something. I quit smoking cold turkey just like that. And we can all do this together. It's it's not a solo sport. We can all do this together. We all got to rely on each other for it. If you don't mind me asking... Because you said, you said something that was awesome. You said, I'm just getting started. Yeah. I'm just getting started. How old are you? I'm 43. Good for you. Good for you. All right. Last question. If you could give one parting word of advice to people out there listening to this, one parting bit of advice, what would that be? Is get a mentor. Get a mentor. The first default for me would be, don't be afraid, but it's too easy to say. It's too like some, someone could say, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid, but it's too easy. It's within us. So get a mentor that can pull you out of that fear. I couldn't agree more. My life changed. My business life changed after I got a mentor slash coach that helped take me to my business, my real estate investing to a different level. On a personal level, I've always been a little bit of a, a risk taker, even when, you know, obviously coming from a police background, you know, most things police are running to people are running away from and it builds that confidence and instilling that mindset that I was instilled when I got on the police department was we have to win or we die and there's no we got to go everything we got you know no matter what kind of confrontation we're in we have to have that mindset that we're going to win we're going to do what it takes to win and we're going to go home at the end of our shift Mm -hmm. you know there was a lot of compromising situations that I was in but it's a whole other story, but no, I completely, completely agree with you. Had I got a mentor, that being said, I didn't hire a mentor slash business coach till probably six years into my real estate career. And had I had you to give me that advice, you know, six years ago, I probably were at just shy of 350 units now that we own in partnership. I probably would be at 700 units. Who knows? Because there were times that, you know, that mindset made me stop, made me scared. And looking back, that mentorship or coach would have definitely helped me too. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome advice, Mark. Uh, Yeah. Kudos to you for that. So 
Mark, uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Wealth and knowledge, I can't stress enough, especially in this game and every, well, every fashion of life, I completely agree with you. It's your mindset. It really is. And where you're going to, where it's going to take you or where it will stop you, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day. So for everybody out there, Mark, how do they get a hold of you? I know there's people that are going to want to talk to you, pick your brain. Maybe you can mentor them. How do they reach you? Easiest way actually is actually just uh, following me or finding me on Instagram at the Mark Smith official, the Mark Smith official, find me there. I'll connect with you. I I'm pretty good about responding to everybody when I can. Yeah, no, I just want to, I just want to help people break their mental barriers and crush their goals. That's what it comes down to because especially in this marketplace, right, Adrian, everybody, including my dog can buy a property and look like a genius. Yeah. What happens when the system buckles a bit? Is one ready for that? So I, I just tell people, hey, if you need a mindset reset, reach out to me. One thing you can expect from me is I'll be real and raw and I don't hold back. Perfect. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to put you in the right trajectory. Perfect. Amazing. Well, Mark, thanks again for being on the show. Wealth and knowledge. I'm sure people will definitely reach out to you because I know there's a lot of people probably sitting right now nodding their head thinking, shit, I need to talk to this guy because I've been I've been that guy that has had those mental physical blocks because of that mindset mm-hmm. and not being moving forward, whatever, whatever walk of life you're from. Right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, anybody else out there who wants to get a hold of me, obviously we're all over social media, executive properties, capital, or my name, Adrian Pinozo, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, super easy to find any kind of real estate advice or joint venture partnership advice you need, reach out to us as well. Happy to help you. And that's it. On that note, Mark, I wish you all the best. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you.